Let's take a little time and talk now about the state that we are living in. Political, spiritual, maybe some life. While you are listening to Phyllis Favor. Listeners, welcome back to the pastor's office. It is the first Sunday in March. Come on, man. Can you believe it? We are already in the third month of the year. I always marvel at how quickly time moves. So the question definitely needs to be asked, what are you doing with your time? Because very quickly we'll be in November looking towards watch night and a new year. Are you making the most of 2023? Have you petitioned God and asked him to order your steps that you might be aligned with his will for your life this year. Man, I I woke up and I'm like, this is the third Holy Communion of the year that we celebrated this morning. Time's moving, brothers and sisters. Time is moving. And we've got to make sure that each and every day that God grants us is a day that we make count. Well, listen, I'm glad you're making this day count by being with me in the pastor's office. Today is a day for motivation, encouragement, and enlightenment. Last week, we talked to some of our mayoral candidates. Uh, The week prior, we talked to advocates and activists uh, dealing with the Tyree Nichols case. But this week, I wanted to take a pivot. I wanted to talk to you a little bit today about some of the opportunities available to our young people in the first segment. But then in our second segment, we want to talk to you about how you can get the most out of you. So without further ado, in this segment, we want to talk about STEM. Many of you have heard the word STEM. As a matter of fact, if you have young children in school, You always encounter this word, STEM. Well, there's a young lady who has embraced STEM. There's a young lady who has made STEM her passion. Watch this. She's a science communicator uh, in technology at NASA. Let, Let me say that again. She is a science communicator in technology at NASA. But she started a nonprofit called Next Gen in STEM. 
that is focused on introducing our next generation of leaders to STEM. So I can do all of the talking and introductions for the next 25, 30 minutes, but I really want to give her this platform to talk to us and give us this information. Let's welcome into the pastor's office for the very first time, Sarah Etiwami. Sarah, welcome into the pastor's office. How are you this afternoon? Thank you so much. I'm doing so great. How are you? Well, I'm doing well. So, Sarah, first of all, before we even get into next gen in STEM, talk to us about how you ended up at NASA. That's super impressive. Yes. So that had been, I think, my dream since I was very young, probably around third grade, so around eight years old. And my dad, um, he was actually a computer engineer, and he introduced me to what he does and just introduced me into the world of STEM. I didn't know if I wanted to be a computer engineer. I didn't know if I wanted to go into science or technology or engineering or mathematics, but I just knew that I wanted to do something within the field. So he brought me to Take Your Child to Work Day. And um, it was a small company, but um, they actually did some activities with us where we built rockets out of water bottles. That was the most amazing thing that I had ever witnessed in my life. And from that day, I knew that I wanted to pursue possibly something in aerospace. And so by the time I got into college, I was able to actually apply and land about four internships with NASA prior to graduating and then working full time. And so it's really just an amazing story that kind of uh, has encapsulated my entire life from the time that I was a very, very young girl. Now, now, are you based in Huntsville or are you based down in Florida? I'm actually in the DMV. I'm in Maryland at okay. the NASA Space Flight Center. Yeah. Got it, got it, got it. And how long have you been with NASA? So I've been doing internships since uh, probably 2018, and then I've been working full-time at NASA Goddard since 2021, so about two years. So you are a young person just starting your career. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, no pun intended, you are just launching. Uh, uh, <laughs> but you thought that it was important to develop next-gen in STEM. So before we get to next-gen in STEM, just tell us, tell, for, there may be some of our listeners who are not aware of what STEM is, why don't you share with them what STEM is and then talk to us about how this became a motivation for you at such a young age. Yes, absolutely. And so um, STEM, it's an acronym. It stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Mathematics. And it really just is an approach to education. It focuses on hard sciences. It helps uh, students develop thinking skills and it improves their problem-solving abilities. And so um, there's so many different facets that include STEM. You can go into agriculture, you can go into engineering, um, biochemistry. There's just really so many different aspects to it. And so it's something that I definitely saw that was lacking and needed, especially for our community and our youth to be able to understand and realize that there are so many careers that are possible for 
them in the industry and that these careers are possible for them. All right. But Sarah, and and again, I'm not being patronizing when I say this, but again, you're just getting started in your career, uh, rents, uh, possibly student loans and all, all of these other things that converge on someone who's just getting out of school. Uh, uh, what caused you to develop this next gen in STEM program uh, at such an early age? Yes, absolutely. You know, I desired to kind of be that person for someone else. So I had become really fortunate to have found so many women and just STEM role models in the industry as I was growing up, as I was in college. And so I strongly desire to be that person for someone else who's providing mentorship, resources, and just overall support so that our the next generation, the people that are coming after me, can realize that, hey, if she did it, maybe I can do it too. So tell us a little bit about the organization and what's available to the young people that become a part of it. Yes. So the organization, I created it in order to just reach back and empower the next generation of youth that desire to pursue either studies or careers in STEM. So we provide actually mentorship matches and organization um, connections. So uh, we have a couple of uh, or quite a few mentors that are actually, you know, very advanced within the STEM industry, either mentors that have been um, pivotal in my life or people that I've met along the way that have just amazing careers that I desire to be able to match them with um, students that are interested in possibly going into those fields. And so we do mentorship matching, we provide resources and really just overall information for students to understand what STEM is first and foremost, and just the different avenues that they could take within their studies or within their careers. Now, is NextGen completely virtual, or do you have any opportunities for uh, in-person networking, or is that a vision for the future? Yeah, so that would be a vision for the future. Right now, it is still virtual. Um, Depending on where the students are, they could actually meet with their mentors in person. I do a lot of um, outreach with schools as well in the Maryland and D.C. area where I actually go and speak to students in schools and do possibly some science experiments with them. Um, But as far as, you know, expanding to other organizations, a lot of that is still very virtual. I'm glad you're with us here on Philly's Favor today so that we can get the word out around Philadelphia. But how have you been getting the word out about your program? Yes, um, it's really just been um, through word of mouth. Through We've been getting a lot of, you know, um, people that have been interested in all across the East Coast, and we're trying to spread further across the U.S. as well. Um, we've uh, I was actually had the amazing opportunity to give a TEDx talk where I was able to talk about my organization and just the importance of getting young women, young girls interested in the STEM industry. And so that has been able to really just reach a lot of ears and hopefully impact somebody along the way. So why don't you share with our Philly's favorite listeners, uh, because we we reach a lot of parents and grandparents, uh, why don't you tell us about the age groups that you impact, uh, and then also share with them how they can get more information about the program? Yes. So the age group that we impact is primarily K through 12 students. So um, we can do um, experiments, and especially for that K through 6 age range, we have a lot of resources for students to just get more of an opportunity to understand 
all things about STEM and really just uh, expand on their education as well. Um, for students grades 7 through 12, we try to focus more on the mentorship and also the studies as well um, and really just making sure that they have that foundation. So if they do decide to pursue STEM careers or STEM studies in college or postgraduate um, studies, they have those opportunities as well. And so we have a website at nextgeninstem.org. Again, it's nextgeninstem.org, where we have all of the information. We have information about our board members and just ways that uh, either mentors, mentees, or parents can get involved. Outstanding. And then let's make sure to let our listeners know that you have an spring 23 application period uh, going on right now. So tell us a little bit about that. Yes, that application is now open. We opened it a few weeks ago in February, and students or parents can sign up using that application, um, and we will just be reviewing them periodically every single month up until the summer and just inviting students to join the organization and really just start the work um, right now and getting them involved. Outstanding. Well, Sarah, I want to wish you all the best uh, as you continue to grow your organization, Next Gen in STEM. Uh, I share with my listeners all the time that until our young people, and I mean all of our young people, have a seat at the table of success, none of us have success. Uh, and STEM would be a, is a critical way and a positive way uh, of guiding our young people to a bright and promising future. So I applaud you uh, for engaging in this manner because a lot of folks your age uh, would be focused on themselves, but you're focused on them. And when I say them, you're focused on others and bringing them up along with you. So congratulations on this effort. We will post this information on our website and our social media. And listen, anytime we can be of assistance to you, feel free to reach out because we want to get the word out. God bless you. Absolutely. God bless you. Thank you so much. Hey, Philly's favorite listeners, welcome back to the pastor's office. Uh, we certainly want to thank Sarah Adewami for joining us in our first segment uh, to talk about the next gen in STEM. But we are about to take a pivot. I've got a question for you, uh, and, and, and I'm really excited about this topic because I talk about it. Uh, to my members and to young people that I get a chance to speak to all the time. Don't you know God has equipped you for success? Don't you know that God has not put you on any mission without providing provision for you to get there? Are you really realizing your potential? Mom, my mom, who's 89 years old, about to be 90 in August. Uh, she's in late-stage Alzheimer's. Thank God she's still physically healthy and can take care of herself physically. But her short-term memory is, as I've shared before on this show, it's basically gone. But the one thing, the one testimony that my mom will always share is that God has a plan and a purpose for my life. And she uses that statement to encourage anyone she comes across. 
I'm sharing all of this for a reason because there's a new book out called Authentic. And it was written by Pastor David Winston. And today, he is our guest during this segment. And we're going to talk about fulfilling your purpose, getting rid of the feelings of inadequacy and inferiority. You know what? I'm, I'm not going to do the talking. I'm, I'm going to bring the pastor into the pastor's office to do the talking. Pastor David Winston, welcome into the pastor's office. How are you, sir? Hello, Pastor Mason. I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for having me. How are you? You know what? God has been good to me in spite of me, so so I'm going to keep on praising him no matter what. That's it. That's good. Amen. Listen, listen, listen. First of all, congratulations. Uh, this is your second book that's come out on February the 22nd, and we saw it advertised online, and we really wanted to talk to you about this book. But before we get there, first and foremost, I want them to know, uh, my listeners to know that you are the pastor of the Go Hard for Christ uh, Youth Ministry at the Living Word Christian Center. Uh, uh, tell us a little bit before we get into the book. Tell us a little bit about your journey, because just like me, you're a PK as well. That's right. That's right. I'm a PK. PKs unite. Um, and uh, <laughs> and I grew up in church, very similar to you. And uh, growing up in church, um, you know, I always love God, always serve God. Of course, you know, my life has been filled with uh, different seasons, especially as a young person, you know, some of the ups and downs. But uh, but I can truly say that I never left God, and I, and I always loved God. Um, and growing up in church, uh, my father, Dr. Bill Winston, he was and still is the senior pastor who's very active. And uh, growing up in church, you know, a lot of people always ask me, hey, you, are you going to be a pastor like your dad? Do you want to be a pastor? And I would confidently and boldly tell them, no, I do not. Uh, not because I saw anything wrong with it, but I felt like God had put on my heart to be a cardiologist. As a matter of fact, Pastor Mason, uh, since about the age of six, I wanted to be a cardiologist. I wanted to be a heart surgeon. I couldn't even spell the word, but I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And I entertained some other things as I grew older and went through high school, but it, it seemed like every time I would try to entertain something else, I would come back to that. And so I started going through college and uh, studying to go into medical school. And the senior year, when I was just about ready to graduate, I was at a, a conference there at a, a local church, and God spoke to my heart, and he called me into full-time ministry, and I said, well, Lord, you know, what's going on? I really felt like you have clearly talked to me and, and put on my heart about being a cardiologist. And you know, Pastor Mason, he said something that really changed my paradigm. He said, you have correctly discerned the calling, but you have um, misunderstood what it meant. Hmm. Because he said, I've called you to be a spiritual heart surgeon, wow. to do spiritual heart surgery in the hearts of men and the hearts of young people, to be able to bring them to a place of wholeness and ultimately bring them to me and connect them with me. And, you know, that just completely transformed my thinking. And I said, wow, all these years, like I had felt the call, I felt that pulling towards something, but I just had uh, misunderstood exactly what that meant. And so I started going to school of theology. Fast forward, uh, 2009, me and my wife and my two stepsons, we moved back to Chicago and take over the Go Hard for Christ Youth Ministry. And so here's the story gets really interesting. 
because for the first several years, um, we experienced some great things solely because of God's goodness, some explosive growth in the youth ministry. But to be honest, Pastor Mason, I struggled. Uh, often I struggled behind closed doors trying to understand, like, who I was and where I fit. Like, am I supposed to be my dad or be like my dad? But but me and my dad are different. And, and so I struggled with trying to, like, maybe be him but I kept falling short and, 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 you know, having some pretty big shoes to fill, I struggled with understanding or even knowing, am I enough? Am, mm. am I going to have to change who I am to be able to be successful in this pastoral role, the way my father has had success and the way God has used him? And one day God spoke to my heart and he said um, that you can't do, David, what your father has been doing and what your father has been called to do with his life. And, you know, that wasn't exactly the shot of courage I was looking for because I was already struggling with insecurity. But then the Lord spoke to me and said, and your dad couldn't do what you've been called to do in your lifetime Amen. because you all haven't been equipped the same way. And then he started to minister to my heart and said that you are perfectly equipped for the assignment that I've placed you here on this earth to fulfill. And, and that's, where I really started this journey and this revelation of confidence and courage to be able to release your greatness and fulfill the plan of God in this earth. So, you know, wow. First of all, man, you talk about PKs Unite. Uh, my dad, uh, for, uh, Reverend Lee Mason Jr., uh, former civil rights fighter, marched with Martin, mentee of Daddy King, uh, pastored the church I pastored now for 41 years, uh, you know, helped to get mayors elected and, and all of that stuff, uh, you know. And I'm like, wait a second, me? Me? Pastor? Coming to, how's that possible? But you're absolutely correct. We were both equipped, but we were equipped differently. And and there was a point in time where I came to the realization, I can't do what dad did. I can't hoop like he did. I can't sing like he did. I, can't, I, can't, I, can't, I don't even pray the way he prayed. I had to be authentically me. So I, I thank you for that because that, that is just... People need to hear that, man. People need to hear that. You are the only copy of you, right? You're the only copy of you. But when I say Absolutely. authentic, that's your new book. So so talk to us about authentic uh, and your journey to writing this great work. Sure, sure. And, you know, you, you said something here at the top of the segment that I, I think really encapsulates my book. And, and you said something about God equipping you, and I, I like to say it like this. God won't give you the call unless he prepares you with the equipment first, hmm. and that you were deliberately created with your assignment in mind. And, and that's why I wrote this book, Authentic, The Confidence to Be Yourself, The Courage to Release Your Greatness, because I think so many people struggle with inferiority, uh, feelings of inadequacy almost feeling like either they have to be someone else or insecurity swallows them up, making them feel like I, I, I can't be myself in, and win. I can't be myself and accomplish God's plan and purpose for my life. And, and true enough, the Word of God always calls us to, to strive to do better, right, and, and as we're being perfected by Him. But what I've learned is that it starts with confidence in who you are. And, and God gave me a revelation that I actually had turned into a message that eventually turned into a book 
that you have to have faith in God's creation. And we are God's creation. We have to have faith that God created us the way we are without fault, without, you know, he, he didn't create us deficient. He didn't create us in a way that, that, you know, we're missing a lot of components in order to do what he's called us to do. He's created us such that it's like an apple seed. Everything inside of us is already put in there for us to be able to be successful. And so all you have to do with an apple seed is put it in the soil. You give it the sunlight, you give it the water, the soil provides the nutrients, and one day you're going to have a tree that's going to bear forth fruit. And what I found is that sometimes people don't want to put themselves into hard positions or positions that cause their potential to have to come out, and they if they don't do so, they won't find themselves bearing fruit. They won't find themselves being successful. Or what I like to say is they won't find themselves releasing their greatness here on this earth. So, you know, they get frustrated or may get down on themselves or may uh, let self-doubt creep in uh, to let them talk, talk them out of being everything who God has called them to be. And so I wrote this book for anybody who's been struggling, maybe with inferiority or insecurity or, or self-doubt or, or who has these questions or just really wants to go to the next level and, and needs that extra shot of empowerment and encouragement to let them know that they're the right person for the job and they can do it. You're listening to Philly's Favor 100.7 FM, and we're talking to Pastor David Winston, who has just released his new book, Authentic. Let's dig into a couple pieces of your book here, uh, Pastor David. My good friend Les Brown always says that there's greatness inside of you, and, and, and you've said yourself there's greatness inside of each of us. You know, how does one uncover their hidden potential? Sure. And and that's a great question. I believe it really goes to deciding to put ourselves into places, spaces, positions, and situations that require something from us. And sometimes the temptation is to feel like we don't carry what the situation requires. So we don't step up and say yes to the opportunities or challenges. And, and so it might be as simple as somebody needs something at work or a project or a lead or a manager at something or stepping on stage and presenting something or doing something in the background or maybe as simple as getting married and starting a family. You know, there's so many different areas and pockets of opportunity in life to be able to release our potential. And I like to say it like this, Pastor Mason. Potential is like toothpaste. It doesn't just fall out. It has to be pushed out. And the force is necessary for the potential to be released. And really what potential is, it's hidden ability. It is unused success. But what I like to call it is concealed greatness. And so whenever you're put in a position where instead of shrinking back or trying to find an easy way out or trying to be comfortable but you're in a situation that causes you to step up and reach down and grab something or, or pull out something or let God pull out something inside of you that you didn't know existed already, then that's releasing your potential. And, and I can understand that firsthand. You know, when I stepped into full-time ministry, I was not a great public speaker. As a matter of fact, I think that was one of the fears that I had was public speaking, which is very common. But that was one of the issues and conversations I would have with God consistently over the first couple of years is, God, are you sure this is my calling? Because I am a terrible public speaker. 
but God continued to encourage me and said, all you have to do is be obedient. It's my grace that's going to carry you across the finish line. That's right. And, and what I learned is that as I stepped up and was courageous, uh, potential would begin to come out of me. And I would be able to do things and, and, and behave in a way and say things and, and, and complete the task in a way that I didn't think I could before. And I've learned that if you don't have someone or something pushing you toward the thing that you think that you can't do, a lot of times that'll be a self-fulfilling prophecy. You won't step up to the thing that you didn't think you could do, and it'll be a self-fulfilling prophecy telling you, yeah, you, you couldn't do it, and, and you shouldn't do it, so don't try. And then you wind up not doing it, and then maybe even never doing it. And so I believe that stepping up, fulfilling your potential, that's how you release your greatness. Man, I, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but 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 I'm just moved by the conversation. So I, my, my boy is 12 years old. My youngest son, he's 12 years old. And man, he has the gift of artistry. I mean, he is one of the best. You talk about someone that can do animation and do it at a level that's probably at the professional level. Uh, he's amazing with that. And I'm not just saying that because I'm his dad. He's actually sold some of this stuff. But he's wow. so shy. He's so shy. And 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 unlike his dad and his brother, he's not, he acknowledges, I'm not very much of a people person. And sometimes yeah. I've always said to him, I said, you know what, Jack? You know what? You've got to be comfortable in your skin. And allow yeah. people to see the uniqueness that is you. Doc, you wrote about this in your book. Tell us how people become confident in their own uniqueness. Absolutely. And, and, and I think that's a journey that we're all on, right? It's never something that is necessarily perfected. But um, how do you become confident in your own uniqueness? I have five quick things. Number one, you've got to value yourself first. You've got to value who you are and who you've been created to be. So many things and, and so much of our behavior as people comes from what we value. And if we value ourselves, I believe that we will behave differently. You know, a, a lot of times when there's proper value, there's a, a proper identity. And I like to tell our youth all the times, um, if you don't have your identity intact, you will misbehave and you will malfunction. And so... That's number one, value yourself. Number two, give yourself permission to be yourself. And that's where the confidence comes in. Like, hey, I'm different. I'm unique. I I'm not my dad. I'm not my mom. But I'm okay with that. And, and I've given myself permission to be myself without trying to hide, without trying to, to, um, to, to, to cover it up, right? Number three, realize that there's hidden potential inside of you, what we were just talking about know, hidden ability. And we have to understand that there's more that we can do than we think we can do. And what we understand now that we can do is actually only the doorway to all of what we can do. And so instead of treating it as the ceiling, treat what we can do and what we know that we can do as a doorway and know that there's more. Number four, discover what drives you. 
understand what motivates you, what bothers you, what calls out to you. You know, there's certain things, Pastor Mason, that really are, are your passion points, whether it's in the community, whether it's within culture or in the church world. There's certain things that, that really you're just passionate about that maybe I think is great, but maybe I'm not as passionate about. And that is what makes you you. And so as you discover what drives you, lean into that and see what God would do with that. And, and last but not least, number five, eliminate the comparison. And I'm glad that you brought up your son. I actually I have a 13-year-old son myself. He loves art, good good artists, but it sounds like your son is, is, is definitely on a trajectory where God maybe can do something with that. And I think this is a really important message for our young people. Eliminate the comparison. Because as it said, you know, comparison is a thief of joy. But I like what one man says. He says, that the quickest way to devalue something special is to compare it to something else. And, you know, social media and some of the other different opportunities that we have to see and be exposed to other people's lives are great, but it can also be a breeding ground for unhealthy comparison. We have to know that it's, it's me versus me, right? It's me versus what I could be doing, what my potential is. And that's all that God calls us to weigh ourselves against. Are we obedient? Are we doing what he told us to do? Are we fulfilling our potential? That's the only comparison that really exists. We don't have to compare with anybody else. So if we eliminate the comparison, I believe that will help us find ourselves uh, living our authentic, unique expression. Man, I am excited. I am excited about your book. I'm excited for it to get in the hands of a lot of our young people, man, uh, so that they really can unleash and unlock their potential and their greatness. Why don't you share with our listeners where they can get your book? Absolutely. You can go to my website, davidswinston.com, and you can pick up your copy right there. I have links there. It's also available on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. And I have uh, e-books. There's a Kindle edition available, and it's available on Audible. So for those who like to listen to the books, we have it available in that format as well. Now, look, it's available on Amazon, but I want us to support uh, Pastor Winston directly. So let's do this. Give him, give him your website one more time. Sure, davidswinston.com. davidswinston.com. Let's support him directly. Get this book now. Order more than one copy. Let's get it in the hands of our young people. Wait a second. Let's get it in the hands of our brothers and our sisters uh, who are out there thinking that there's a ceiling to their success so that they know that they can go higher with the grace of Almighty God. Pastor Winston, thank you for joining us today, man. I'm encouraged by your book, and I want to see you do great things with it. And we hope to talk to you again real soon. Thank you, Pastor Mason. My pleasure. Political, spiritual, maybe some life. While you are listening to Phyllis Faber. Yeah.